And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. It is Tuesday, and is it just me, or does it feel like we're dropping bombshells? Welcome, everyone. We are live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here. I am the editor-in-chief at Sci-Fi For Me. Lots of things to talk about, things going on in the news, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get into it today. It is uh, a busy, busy, busy broadcast week this week. We hope you stick around for everything that we do here. We do want to thank you for being here. If you're new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe, and uh, if you're not new, we're glad you're back, and we do uh, ask that you share and rate and comment and all that stuff. The chat's open. The comments are active. You can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. We're on all the socials, lots of them, probably more than we need to be. And we've got a newsletter you can sign up for. We do invite you to do that. And just wanted to make a note and say hi to everybody who is listening to us. As a podcast all over the world, I'm seeing here on the map, Malaysia, Russia, Germany, UK, Spain, Australia. Happy to have all of you with us. Canada, the United States, of course. Good to have all of you listening in. We do appreciate that. And if you want to hear this as a podcast, we're on a number of different podcast players all over the place. Just search Sci-Fi for me and you'll find us. So there is that. All right, so now let us get into the news of the day because this has happened very quickly. It started over the weekend, and it took a lot of people by surprise. And I wanted to bring in a panel to talk about this. Uh, Nobody responded to the emails. So it's just me, and I'm going to just kind of walk through the the timeline here of AT&T deciding that they are done being a media company, essentially is what a lot of people uh, are taking away from this. Now, the the idea here is you have to you have to also remember AT&T surprised a lot of people when they bought Time Warner at the beginning for $58 billion. They took on a lot of debt to do it. And at the time, a lot of people said, this is a bad idea. Why are they doing this? AT&T is a telecommunications company. They are uh, in the business of providing phone service and internet service. And what is all of this about? And AT&T was like, no, 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 it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Uh, They had to convince 
the government to let them do this. They had to convince the the Department of Justice and you know everybody over there in the in the D.C. offices to say you know give them their blessing for buying this company. And now we're going to have to do it all over again as AT and T finally decides to give up the ghost essentially and dump Warner Media into its own company, spinning off and merging with Discovery. This is not something that anybody saw coming because they kept it very, very, very close to the vest. And when it came out this weekend, it took a lot of people by surprise, especially the people at Warner Media who have gone through all sorts of rigmarole over the last three years, what with HBO Max and changing CEOs and then changing CEOs again and restructuring and more restructuring. And who knows what all has been going on behind the scenes. And I'm sure there's a lot of discussion and chatter and back and forth over there. Speculation, people wondering what happens next. Well, how did all of this start? It begins back in February, but we have the the first reports of this uh, came out of Bloomberg over the weekend, and uh, their headline was, AT&T is preparing to merge media assets with Discovery. This was on May 16th at about 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, Eastern, and... This was the beginning. This was the the bombshell that everybody saw and kind of snapped their heads around and they went, wait, what? What's happening here? And it turns out that David Zaslev over at Discovery and John Stanky at AT&T, Warner Media, have been having discussions since February under the table on the QT because they didn't want Wall Street to get some kind of an idea that there was blood in the water and these companies were for sale, because they're not. But at the same time, it's an acknowledgement. A lot of people, you know, a lot of analysis now, is, is it's an, an acknowledgement that AT&T got into the media business when they shouldn't ought to have. And that's fine. Companies make mistakes. You know, John Stanky was the one who uh, who orchestrated uh, AT&T's uh, purchase of DirecTV and Time Warner. And they ended up having to sell DirecTV. I think the idea was to expand on the broadband and the fiber and, and all of that and be able to deliver media content through the phones and, you know, through the phone service and the, and the internet service and the whatnot. And, and, you know, they saw, they saw the writing on the wall. Streaming is the next thing to do. So AT&T wants to get into streaming. The only problem is they're not geared for that. They're not set up for that. And a lot of people in Hollywood saw them as usurpers, carpetbaggers, if you will. And they said, no, this is not a good idea. You don't know what you're doing. Now, Jason Kalar who is the CEO at Warner Media? Uh, he has a little bit of a history in media companies on the streaming side of things. He was the, the first CEO of Hulu. He's done some different things in that space. 
And he's probably going to be, at the very least, a sacrificial lamb on this thing. And we'll get into that a little bit. So the story comes out. Everybody start chattering about it. Everybody's wondering how this happened. So what's it's what it is is that Warner Media and Discovery are going to be merging into a new media company that takes all of the assets of Warner Media and the assets of Dis, uh, of of Discovery and will put them all together. So here is a here's a chart that shows a little bit because we have two streaming services with Discovery Plus and HBO Max. You've got the Discovery Channel, you've got Food Network, HGTV, and and some of this comes from Discovery's acquisition of scripts not too long ago. Uh, The Oprah Channel, Science, uh, Eurosport, Discovery is very big in sports outside the U.S. So they have channels in other countries that are very much like ESPN is here, the dominant sports channel in a lot of in a lot of countries. Animal Planet. And then you have Cartoon Network, Cinemax, CNN, HBO, Warner Brothers, TNT, all of the Turner stuff. So Turner Classic Movies, TNT, TBS, DC Comics. So all of this is now going to belong to whatever they end up naming the new Warner Discovery Media Group. AT&T shareholders will get 71% ownership of the company. Discovery will keep the other 29%. AT&T will select seven of the first board members. Discovery will have the other six that they get to select, including David Zaslav, who's going to be running the company as CEO. John Stanky is going to stay with AT&T, I think, if I read that right. I've read so, so many different articles on this, trying to spell this out. And Zaslav has a, a, a reputation in the, in the marketplace, in the media space, as somebody who's very aggressive, he's very competitive, and he's been on this trajectory of expanding into the direct-to-consumer digital space for a while. Discovery Plus is one of the results of that. And now you have this discussion of whether or not Discovery Plus and HBO Max might merge, possibly, and create some new digital streaming platform. The two companies are rather complementary because you have the Warner Brothers, Warner Media, HBO, HBO Max stuff. That's all the Hollywood narrative fiction side of things. And then on the discovery side of things, you have things like the Learning Channel and Home and Garden and, you know, the remodeling and the and the reality shows and the and the historicals and the educational stuff and the nonfiction, the documentaries and such. So they complement each other. They go well together in terms of there's not a whole lot of overlap in what they make. So they complement each other in that regard. So now the question becomes, do we keep those two platforms separate and Discovery Plus and HBO Max stay separate? Now remember, HBO Max has not rolled out to a number of different countries yet. Discovery Plus is in some places that HBO Max is not. So it makes sense 
to merge all of that together into one service because the infrastructure is in place for some and not the others. This is a big heap of deal because what this does when Warner, assuming that the government lets the sale go through, now that's the other part of this, that's still the shoe waiting to drop. More than likely they will because the government doesn't seem to take any of this very seriously in terms of avoiding monopolies and such. I mean, you just look at how big tech is these days. <clears throat> the government is not very anti-monopoly, hasn't been for a very long time. So likely this sale will go through, and when it does, Warner Discovery, whatever the new name is, is going to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, media company on the planet. They will be able to compete with Netflix. They will be able to compete with Disney. They actually might be, at the end of all of this, a bigger company on the media side of things than what Disney has. Maybe. Which is really interesting to see because the timing of this comes just as all of the networks are starting their advertising upfronts. Here's our channel. Here are all the programs on our channel. Advertise with our channel. You have rumors. Now, there were, there were rumors for a while that NBC Universal might be in play to buy Warner Media. That turns out not to be the case. But with this news and the shakeup that is likely to come with it because, you know, every time you have a merger, every time you have some kind of a big corporate acquisition, there are layoffs. There are people that will lose their jobs. And there will people that there there will be people that will change jobs. Over at CNN, you have Jeff Zucker who is supposed to be done at the end of the year as an executive at CNN network. What does this merger do for him now? Does he continue his plans to retire? Or does he shift over and become a different executive of some different type with this new, this new media venture? Is Jeff Zucker not done? Was Jeff Zucker maybe part of all of this discussion? Because they're all friends. They all know each other. They all have connections to each other. And given Zaslav's habit of aggressively rebranding channels that don't do well, uh, you look at Discovery Health becoming Oprah's, you know, OWN channel. Uh, they do pivot a lot on channels that are not performing well. We're going to try something else. I don't, I don't, he, he kind of, Kind of reminds me of me in that in that regard. You have those abort or pivot points. What do we do with this? Do we change it? Do we shut it down? Do we keep going the way we're going? You have those moments where decisions have to be made whether or not you continue to do what you do or you change it. And Zaslav likes to change things that aren't working. And he doesn't spend a whole lot of time deliberating about it. He just lets do it now. Done. So given 
the track record now that CNN has in the post-Trump era, and given the resources, the documentary resources and the reality resources that Discovery has, do they merge all of those operations and CNN becomes rebranded into something else? Could we be looking at the end of CNN as we know it? Does it become something like Discovery News Network or something like that? Because really, for a certain segment of the population, both in the United States and worldwide, CNN has, has quite a bit of egg on its face. Its reputation has suffered quite a bit over the last few years. They are not seen as an objective news outlet anymore. Most news outlets aren't seen as objective anymore, which to me I think is just obscene that the, that the media has allowed themselves to become so partisan in all of this. But what does this do to CNN? And the big question, of course, for us in the genre space, not only what does it do to Warner Brothers and HBO Max, but what does this do to DC Comics? It's notable that in the, in the press conference that, uh, that Zaslav and Stanky had on CNBC the other day, Zaslav was very quick to jump on the fact that Warner Brothers, that Warner Media has these IPs, these, these legendary IPs. And he mentions by name Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Game of Thrones is another one. Now, he leaves out Harry Potter. And some people have noted he left out Harry Potter. Harry Potter does just doesn't think. I think he probably left out Harry Potter if he's even thinking about it. He could just be rattling things off the top of his head because he knows that these properties are part of Warner Brothers because there hasn't been a Harry Potter movie in a while. I mean, you have your you have your Fantastic Beasts, but that has been mired in controversy because of the whole John Depp thing. So, you know, J.K. Rowling, of course, has drawn criticism in the Twitter sphere because bad talk, wrong think. So it's likely if Zaslav was even thinking about this, that he avoided mentioning Harry Potter because he didn't want the distraction of the Twitter, the Twitterati coming in and getting all up in his face and, and, and taking, the, taking the discussion and hijacking it. Uh, so, okay, let's not even mention it. Because maybe there's no plan for Harry Potter. Maybe he mentions Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman because there's already a discussion of, okay, what do we do with the DCEU? How do we fix this? It's, it's also notable that the timing of this comes right after we get Zack Snyder doing an interview, a couple of different interviews, uh, with um, Uproxx was one of them. I can't remember the Jake's Takes, I think, was the other one talking about how Warner Brothers essentially tortured him, his word, uh, all through the, the finishing, the post-production of the Snyder Cut. And while he's happy that the Snyder Cut is done and it's out there, I don't think that he's, he was looking forward to doing anything with Warner Brothers again 
Uh, he mentioned Army of the Dead was a good experience over at Netflix. So what does this do with Zack Snyder's relationship with Warner Brothers? What does this do for Walter Hamada? Because Walter Hamada's name was not mentioned at all in any of this, president of DC Films. Now, I get it. It's a division. It's a smaller division. So as this news continues to roll out, as things play out, I mean, we don't even have a new name for the company yet. They have it, they have it selected, but they haven't made it public yet. So there's still a lot of things to roll out on this, and as the news progresses, we'll find out more about what their plans are, both on the technical delivery of content side of things, but also the production of content side of things, because who, who will be put in charge of the DCEU? Because this is going to be another shakeup. Because every time you have changes in the executive offices, you also have changes in the philosophy and the direction that franchises take if you do franchises at all. Uh, so there's the question now of, uh, some people are speculating, does this mean that Snyderverse might have a, a possibility of coming back? I don't know. I think the only reason that we got the Snyderverse, I've said this before, the only reason we had the Snyderverse was to sell HBO Max. And that was likely a Jason Kalar thing. It wasn't Toby Emmerich over at Warner Brothers. It wasn't Ann Sarnoff. It wasn't Walter Hamada. It was Jason Kalar. And now Jason Kalar has lawyers and they're negotiating his exit. And I feel for the guy. I really do because I, I have to wonder if the pandemic had not happened, if the lockdown had not happened, if the theaters had not been shut down to the point of bankruptcy and death, if we'd had a normal year, would Jason Kalar have made the same decisions that he made? And I can understand him, you know, that whole we're going to roll out the movies in the movie theaters and on HBO Max at the same time you could almost assign a Hail Mary motivation to it. What are we going to do to save our company? What are we going to do to stay afloat? Because you are still beholden to the shareholders. Ultimately, what this comes down to, it's a business. And you have a responsibility for your to keep your company profitable. Whether it's making a lot of money or a little bit of money, it's still got to stay afloat. And in this time period where everything was a disaster and everything was going south and you had so much confusion, I'll say, to be generous, so much confusion coming out of governments, both at the federal and the state and the local level, the health officials giving, telling us one thing and then telling us another and then contradicting each other and all of that. There was no 
fixed set of guidelines that said, here's how we're going to deal with this. Everybody was just kind of hodgepodging around and flying by the seat of their pants, and it made things worse. There was no organization to this. And you have a lot of companies, these media companies especially, having to figure out, okay, well, what do we do with all of these movies that we've made if nobody can go to the movie theaters? And I can understand Jason Galar sitting there going, okay, well, we've got this new this streaming service. We can at least get the movies out there for some people to see, and maybe we get a little money back. They're not going to make cost of production but they're also not spending a whole lot of money on advertising either not as much as they would have otherwise so it feels to me like the question is okay not really so much was jason kalar the wrong guy at the wrong time in the wrong place but was he maybe the right guy, given their strategy, what they were deciding that they were going to do to chase the digital channels, the, the streaming? Because that's where everybody is going to go. Whether you like it or not, whether we, we think that's the best way to do it or not, that's where everybody's going. Netflix has paved the way, and everybody's deciding they're going to they're gonna get on that gravy train while they can I would say that it would be a better idea, it would be at least a good idea to have a, a, a contingency plan for when the streaming services all fall by the wayside, what are you going to do next? And if your streaming strategy doesn't work, CBS, then what are you going to do? What's your plan B? What's your plan C? What's your plan X? Why? Double E. I mean, it's you really have to have these contingency plans in place to allow for the possibility that something is going to go wrong. Or something unexpected happens like, oh, let's dump our, our company and merge it into somebody else and let it be somebody else's headache. Because Warner Media will take some of their debt with them. I'm curious how all of this really started. Now, David Zaslav said that, you know, he's sitting there, he's watching, he's watching TV. I think it was a, a, a golf tournament, I think. And he sends John Stanky an email and says, hey, start, start kicking around an idea. And they started talking in earnest after that about how these two operations complement each other and it would be a strong media uh, media company it would be a force to be reckoned with and all of that so where does jason kalar land because he wasn't he wasn't mentioned very much in any of the press is he the sacrificial lamb? Is he the one who sits there and is going to get blamed, quote-unquote so-called? Is he the one who's going to get blamed for the failure of AT&T to make their mark and to hold their own in the media space? Because a lot of the analysis looks at this as 
AT&T has admitted they've made a mistake and they're getting out. This is being seen by some as a surrender. And some other people are saying, well, yeah, we told you so. AT&T has no business being in the, in the business of making content. You're a phone company. Go do phones. And they don't even do that very well. <clears throat> I could tell stories about the customer service at AT&T mobile and internet services. But I'm not going to. I could throw shade. I could throw shade. I don't know. Should I? Should I tell that story? I'm not going to tell that story. Needless to say, I don't have a very high opinion of AT&T as a company. But that's just because of personal experiences. That doesn't have anything to do with what kind of company they actually are and their business practices and whatnot and so on and so forth. But I'm not a fan. And in the overall grand scheme of things, I am really not sanguine about these giant companies being formed, Disney, Amazon, Google, Alphabet, seemingly unrestrained and un unhindered. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger and they just eat up smaller companies competitive companies there is uh, I don't want to say a danger but there kind of is a danger there is a risk in a very small limited number of companies owning everything I don't want us to get to the point where we are living in a corporatocracy and it really does feel like we're kind of headed in that direction. But that's a topic for another day. It's not something I want to get into now because... You know. Anyway, so you have, you have all of this going on very quickly. It just rolled out here in the, in the last... Well, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Here we are, Tuesday, and this is this is still blowing things up, and it will continue to do so as we go through the week. As we go through the next, you know, couple of weeks, we'll find out more about uh, about what's going on. But I'm really going to be uh, 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 watching and and curious about what happens to some of the brands that are owned by these two companies. Who ends up running things? Who ends up in charge of the various divisions under David Zaslav? Because John Stanky has said, Zaslav's got to figure out who's going to run things. And Zaslav has a habit of picking and choosing performers, employees who perform. He says those, you know, the best, the best of the best. He wants the, he wants the right people in charge. Well, what criteria is he going to use? 
for picking the people who are in charge of things. And what is his plan for DC, for DC Comics? And I got to say, there are some people out there who probably owe Ethan Van Skyver an apology because Ethan was saying probably more than a year ago or more that at some point AT&T was looking to divest themselves of, of DC Comics. I don't think this is what he had in mind. I don't know that anybody really knew very much in terms of the details of it. But when he started speculating about that, there were all sorts of people who were just poo-pooing on the idea. Oh, no, AT&T's not going to get rid of DC Comics. Well, <laughs> they're not just getting rid of DC. They're getting rid of the whole kit and caboodle. All of Warner, everything, gone, done, finished. Now, yes, AT&T will still have partial ownership of this new company, but this new company is going to be independent, spinning out on its own, AT&T will wash their hands of it. They won't make any decisions with regard to putting a Snyder cut or an Ayer cut or whatever cut on HBO Max. And, and, and Jason Kalar pushing HBO Max, was that the best decision? Is that a rushed decision? decision could that be one of the reasons why Kalar is not going to stay with the company is he leaving on his own or what he was he told he's leaving because the push to run HBO Max out there to be competitive with things like Disney Plus and Netflix and and all of these other streaming services when you don't have a rollout ready for territories outside the U.S., you're not going to be very competitive. Disney Plus has over 100 million subscribers. Netflix has over 200 million subscribers. But those are worldwide numbers. HBO Max does not have a worldwide footprint. And you look at you look at at HBO Max you look at this new Paramount Plus before that CBS All Access and <coughs> excuse me there, there there are times it feels like some of these companies rolled these streaming services out before they should have before they were ready it was just, oh we got to get it out now we got to get it out now because everybody's doing streaming we have to have a streaming channel okay what are you going to put on it What's your programming? And I like the word programming more than I do content. I, I, content, as the older I get and the longer I do this, the less I like that word content. It's programming. Whether it's entertainment or education, information, news, whatever, it's programming. You are producing a program. That's like all of the stuff that we've got here. We have seven programs in production on our channel. We have a TV channel that just happens to be broadcasting on YouTube. That's my mindset. I wouldn't mind if our TV channel 
was somewhere else and not on these platforms. But that's that's a discussion for another day with people who have money to help us make that happen. Which is why it hasn't happened. And I'm fine with that. We're okay. We're doing all right here on YouTube. We have 1,661 subscribers on YouTube, which is probably why nobody's, nobody got back to me when I sent them an invite to be on the panel today. And that's okay. That's okay. People are busy. And this thing, I, you know, I'm looking at the timestamps on some of these articles, 4 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. People are tired, I would expect. And people are probably running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to figure out what's going on and trying to figure out who they can talk to who will tell them something. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. I, I, don't, I don't envy them the scramble. I think that uh, I think that the scramble can be, it can be rough. It can be rough chasing stories. I've done it, but it's one of those things where you know you want to you want to get the the latest. You want to get the new the new information. You want to be able to update your articles and such. And you know, of course, Deadline and Variety have the have the resources of each other. I mean, they're essentially the same company. They're owned by the same company. I don't know why they don't just merge it and just be just one company rather than us getting news alerts from both of them that essentially say the same thing. But Hollywood Reporter, IGN, Deadline, Variety, all of these different places that have had all of this stuff, Bloomberg, they've been they've been scrambling and more power to them. They're they're doing they're doing the work. And I imagine in the next few days we will see more of this. Uh, I don't know what uh, what the time frame is on their announcing a new name for the company. It might roll out here later on this week. It might be next week before we find out. Of course, we'll keep an eye out on all of that to you know bring that to you when we get it. It'll probably be something that we have on Good Morning Multiverse on Saturday morning, which is our news roundup, so be looking for that. Uh, speaking of which, just a real quick program, you know, while I'm thinking about it, Memorial Day weekend, we have no shows. So Good Morning Multiverse, for, it, it normally would be a Foreign Bodies weekend, uh, H2O, Live from the Bunker on Monday. We're not going to have any shows through that weekend Probably no shows on Tuesday either, so we'll be back on on Wednesday after after Memorial Day, and we'll put all that in the socials. But you know, while I was thinking about it, I thought I'd mention it. So, what do you think? What do you think about all of this? What do you think about the merger? What do you think about Jason Kalar's fate? What do you think is going to happen to him? Where does he go from here? Is he now? damaged goods or is he just a victim of circumstances beyond his control time will tell i have to figure that out but i think it's interesting that all of this comes from not at the very top but it comes from upper upper well upper management between stanky and zaslov 
is John Stanky. How do I how do I word this? Because I don't want it to sound I don't want it to sound conspiracy ish or anything like that. But I wonder if when Zaslav talked to John Stanky, if John Stanky saw the writing on the wall and said, this is not going to end well for AT&T, we need to, we need to pivot. We need to pull the plug on this because it's not working. The experiment has yielded negative results. We need to do something different. Now, I mean, this is only three years out from AT&T buying Time Warner to begin with. And after reassuring the government that it was going to be fine, now it's not. And I have to wonder if Stanky's looking at all of this because they've already sold off uh, uh, DirecTV at a loss because it's not a sustainable thing. And I can, I can, see, what the, I can see what their strategy was going to be. Now I'm guessing, but I, I can see, okay, we're going to buy another delivery platform. With DirecTV, you get satellite television, all of that. doesn't take into account everybody going off to stream and cutting the cord. So no more satellite, no more cable. Cable TV is, is on its way out. And now you've got the streaming services. Your, your, your hard media services are, are mostly gone. I mean, people are downloading their videos. They're not buying DVDs or Blu-rays as much, which I think is a mistake, y'all. Because if anything that we've learned over the last something-something years, that when the cancel culture comes after you, or if you're deciding, you know, if somebody decides you're persona non grata, you can have all of your stuff canceled. That means all of your downloads, all of your digital media, everything that you've got somewhere in the cloud can go away because you're on the wrong side of history or some garbage thought like that. Buy DVDs and Blu rays. Get them before all of the politically correct warnings about identity politics get stuck on them. Which is something that Warner, HBO Max, had to do with Gone with the Wind. So that was another PR gaffe. Oh, you, uh, you just, just, you can't run this movie? Run, 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 run. We have so many people who are so hypersensitive to everything in terms of now that they don't look at the historical context of anything. And Warner Brothers, Warner, Warner Media, HBO Max fell right into that. And again, the day we stop worrying about what Twitter thinks will be a day long remembered in celebratory fashion when people start to understand, and I think we're kind of maybe sort of getting there, when people start to understand that Twitter is nothing but a cesspool of emotionally imbalanced teenagers 
whether they're actually teenagers in fact or teenagers just in mentality, these folks should not be the tastemakers for the world. You have those 12 angry blue check marks on Twitter. And it's like Barry Weiss said, too many people are beholden to the Twitterati. Twitter needs to go away. Facebook is too big. Google and YouTube, Alphabet, they're too big. And I worry, I have a concern, that this new thing is going to be too big. Disney is too big. I was really surprised that the sale of 20th Century Fox went through. When that happened, I knew that there were no more safeguards against monopolies. This sale will go through. This merger will happen because the government doesn't care. And it'll be one more really, really, really big corporation that owns a lot of stuff. Granted, it'll all be in the media production wheelhouse, which is a good thing. They, they're, they're limiting their scope, at least in that, in that sense. But these companies are getting too big. To the detriment of all of the smaller companies. At what point do we look around the media landscape and realize how much harm is being done to smaller companies. It's like, it's like all, of the, all of the big blockbuster tentpole $200 million movies that are made at the expense of the $20 million movie or the $40 million movie. Not every film has to be a giant spectacle. But that gets lost in all of this because we have to chase the audience. We need the audience. The audience has to be bigger. We need all of those subscribers. We need all of that, all of that subscription money. And we can count on that money. And that's the other thing. Is you get somebody locked into a 12-month deal or a six-month deal or something, you have money that you can count on. And that's money on the books. You cannot predict box office. And that might have had something to do with the whole, you know, throw, throw movies on HBO Max at the same time we get them in theaters. We at least get it out there. Was it a mistake? Who knows? Movies are hitting theaters. They're doing okay. They're not doing great. But as things open up, maybe that will change. Things will eventually improve, I would hope. Cooler heads at some point will prevail, and we will have rational discussions about all this at some point. It's not happening yet. And we'll see what happens with Dune, because that becomes the next 
big question. We're we're hearing rumors. Deadline was reporting that Dune is going to open the Venice Film Festival and then have a theatrical window before it goes to HBO Max. Now, Warner Brothers spokespeople have said, no, 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 it's going to theaters and HBO Max at the same time. So there's a little bit of pushback on that. Uh, so we can we we categorize it as a rumor at this point. But if Dune does open the Venice Film Festival, and if they get a, a theatrical run like Denis Villeneuve wants, because you know there, that's the other thing. David Zaslav has said the the creative we we have to have a relationship with the talent. Is he thinking about all of these directors who have said day and date is a bad idea? Christopher Nolan, Denny Villeneuve, Zack Snyder. Is Zaslav thinking, okay, we have all of these people who are not happy with Warner Brothers. That thing has to be fixed quickly and soon. So do we give Dune a theatrical run before it goes to HBO Max? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because now we have conflicting stories. I have a feeling that Dune's going to get a theatrical run. That whoever over at Warner's said, no, 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 day and date, either doesn't know or has been told not to confirm or is part of the old guard who doesn't have any vested interest in the success of this new media venture because they already know they're out the door. Who knows? That's, that's pure speculation on my part. But I have a feeling that Dune is going to get a theatrical run. Limited, maybe. 30 days, maybe. 45, maybe, because we've seen some of that uh, where, you know, some of these, some of these theatrical uh, releases are getting a 45-day window, 31-day window before they drop on streaming. So maybe something like that for Dune. I don't know. We'll see. Regal has got a deal in place with several that says, you know, if the if the box office opening weekend is 50, 50 million or more, we keep it for 30 days. If it's less than 50 million, then the window is 17 days. I remember when movies were in theaters for months and then you had to wait for months, weeks, months before it ever dropped on network television. Before it ever hit cable. Yeah, well, yeah, before it ever before it ever hit home video, you had to wait, but you also got to see it in the theaters for a much longer time. And then the dollar theater, yeah, your second run, because you had your 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 first run in the theaters like Regal and AMC, Cinemark, and, and General Cinemas and all of that. And then you had the local dollar, you know, dollar movie theaters, the local chains, the little, the little movie theaters, that got those movies in their second run, their second release. And you could go see it again. Or you could go see it if you missed it the first time it came out. And then you had to wait. For home video cable, network. Now there is no window. That window is gone. It's been obliterated. 
by various different factors, not just the fact that, that everything got shut down because of the pandemic, but this has been a thing that's been going on for a while. Your movie theater owners and your studios have been wrangling on this for years in terms of how long do movies stay in the theaters before we get before we get that sweet sweet home video money because the studios don't make a lot at the box office percentage wise you know the theaters have a vested interest in the movies staying there because they sell their concessions and that's how they make their money they want that movie to be there for a while studios don't care about that the studios just want to get their money however they get their money whether it's blu-ray dvd direct download ultraviolet digital copies streaming premium video on demand pay thirty dollars you get to watch it before anybody else does and then Waiting in the wings, Amazon's bid for MGM. That's been brewing this weekend as well. The word is that Amazon has made a bid for $9 billion to acquire MGM. What is that going to look like? Is that deal going to go through? These are crazy times we're living in, folks. So buckle up. It is going to be a very, very, very interesting time. So... All right, coming up tomorrow on the program, our guest, we will have a guest tomorrow, Katie Nicolau. She is a meteorologist at CBS 14 in Sioux City, Iowa. And she came to our attention, I believe, last year uh, when she delivered the weather forecast in a Starfleet uniform. She apparently does this every now and again. Fandom forecasts, she calls them, uh, where she does forecasts in cosplay. And uh, she's kind of dived into that. So we will be talking with her tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we will have author Felix Holzeffel, who is the author of Catch 42. It's a new book that's come that's uh, on its way. Uh, let's see when we've got a... See if I got a street date here, real quick. Let me look on the page. Uh, don't see it right off the top of my head. Where is this publication? May thirteenth, twenty twenty-one. So it's just come out. So, uh, so we'll be talking to Felix on Thursday, and then next week, Douglas Ernst will be a guest on Wednesday, and we're uh, we're putting together a lineup for the rest of the week. So. If you have suggestions for guests, you can send that to us either through a comment or uh, email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. 
Coming up later in the week, we've got uh, all of the news headlines wrapped up in one package. Uh, Good Morning Multiverse runs at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. And then uh, later on in the day, we will have a brand new Doctor Who discussion on Tartar Sauce at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm not sure what their topic is going to be this week. Uh, Tim and the gang over there to... Uh, to talk about lots of different things Whovian. So those are coming up on the weekend. So we do invite you to subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet already. And as always, it would be helpful if you are, uh, if you are so inclined to share links to our programs with your friends and fellow fans. Uh, as I got reminded, something I haven't said in a while, share us with your friends, inflict us on your enemies, tell people about us, let us know. Uh, that you have found us and you enjoy what we do here, and hopefully you continue to enjoy what we do here because we do this for you because that's what we do. All right, thank you very much for being here today. We will be back with more tomorrow. Remember, the only thing that travels faster than bad news is coffee, and there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.